Hi, I'm Christy Kiratsu, and you are listening to QUB Voices. This podcast is released under Creative Commons license. We are on Twitter, Spotify, and iTunes. Hello and welcome to the third of our thematic discussion episodes. This month, the focus is on migrant situation in sync with the Human Rights Day, observed each year on the 10th of December. On the 10th of December in 1948, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights was adopted by the UN General Assembly. The fundamental rights every human being is entitled to as a human being were recognized in this document. Every human being is entitled to these rights, regardless of race, color, religion, sex, language, political or other opinion, national or social origin, property, birth or other status. Conflicts, persecutions and wars around the world put at stake each and every of the rights humans residing in these countries are entitled to as human beings. Those who feel that the only option left to them is the right to live usually seek for asylum in a prospective host country. Asylum seekers have to go through specific legal processes that will grant them with refugee status, international protection, or deny any responsibility of protection if the applicant is assessed as non-eligible to it. What does going through these legal processes mean for asylum seekers? What does it mean for citizens, or generally speaking, humans with some kind of more secure legal status? Today, I'm going to discuss with two members of the KUB branch of Solidarity, a student-led charity focusing on supporting refugees' access to legal assistance. And thank you for being here with me today to have this uh, discussion about the about refugees, about uh, so what solidarity is doing. So I would like to uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, what solidarity does. Hi, Chrissy. Thank you so much for having me today. And um, solidarity, the QB branch. So firstly, I would like to invite everyone listening to have a look at our website, solidarity.org.uk. Like us on Facebook, Solidarity, Instagram, Keys of Solidarity, and join the closed Facebook group, QUB Solidarity Events, for way more information than what I will be able to give today and to keep updated on our events here at QUB Campus and how you can get involved. So if you haven't heard of us already, we are an international charity working to unite the student body to raise awareness of the refugee crisis, to tackle misinformation and to contribute to the provision of legal aid for asylum seekers and refugees. This, this twofold system of raising funds and awareness 
t-shirts go hand in hand to make change and our t-shirts are so perfect for this job. So I believe that solidarity is so special because it is uplifting people who are experiencing the darkest time of their life. It's giving them legal representation and offering the opportunity for a better future. It's different from other aid charities which provide basic necessities, food, water, shelter, all of which are very important, but we are providing them the chance to create their own destiny. We work with a lot of non-government organization legal aid charities, providing them grants from the money we raise from t-shirts and the donations. And this year we are working with six legal aid groups across Greece, each taking their own unique and holistic approach, maybe if you like, you can look them up. So Thessaloniki Mobile Info Team, Phoenix Humanitarian Legal Aid, Legal Centre Lesvos, Chios Asylum Seekers Information Services Team, Avocate Sans Frontiers, and European Lawyers in Lesvos. And as an organisation, we really do pride ourselves in being entirely student-led. Our commitment to sustainable charity, both socially and environmentally, and providing an education services to those who maybe don't know a lot about the refugee crisis. So this year, in keeping with our ethos of sustainability, we are using pure organic cotton for our t-shirts. That's so interesting. And thank you for uh, giving us so much information on uh, what uh, Solidarity is doing. And uh, I would like to elaborate a little bit more. Let us know why uh, do you emphasize on legal assistance? Why is this so crucial? So when you arrive in a country as an asylum seeker, there is a very long, complicated, ever-changing process, which is almost impossible to get through without expert support. The asylum interview is a key part of this process and it determines whether someone will be granted refugee status and allowed to remain in the country or not. And it relies on being able to demonstrate a well-founded fear of persecution. You can find more information about this on asyluminEurope.org. So legal assistance is so, so important because the people in the camps are waiting a very long time to get an interview and then another very long time to get the decision of this interview. I'm talking in terms of months and years, not days and weeks. So the different stages of the process are very long and the outcome is uncertain. And at the same time, their whole future is basically dependent on this interview. So many, because of translation issues, have to appeal their application. So for example, our founder Tiara tells a story on her TEDx talk, which you can watch on YouTube. So she met an Afghan man while she was volunteering as a translator. He has said he got a taxi to the camp. Then later in his interview, he got a private car. So this did not up to the assessors and he had to appeal. To him, a taxi and a private car is the same thing, as well as many other um, cultures. I've heard uh, this is a very common thing in different cultures. So, but because the process is so rigorous, everything needs to be completely consistent and completely precise. Another example would be 
um, not expressing vulnerability. So there have been cases, very common, where people express in the interview they're going to work hard and they're going to contribute to the country. And this comes across like they're an economic migrant and not um, they're not mentioning their fear of persecution. So this is a huge issue in granting asylum. So as they may not be very familiar with the legal process, the representation and advice will mean that these people can go about their interview properly and they can um, get granted asylum. I see. And also what uh, is also striking is that um, the very human existence of these uh, people comes through this legal process. And honestly, I don't know if any of us, if we were in the same positions, uh, if we would be thinking whether to choose the word taxi or a private car, whether it would matter to us if we've been through such, uh, uh, such experiences. And um, of course, when someone is um, uh, requested to uh, give a narrative of, uh, that involves severe trauma, because fleeing a war involves severe trauma inflicted upon you. Uh, honestly, I don't know if we, would, uh, if we wouldn't do the same, say, mistakes. Um, and also what I keep from what you have uh, already um, explained is that uh, the human life is uh, dependent upon this interview. Yes, Chrissy, you make a really good point. And it's so important that you know about the human aspect of it. So people have lost their whole lives, their homes, their communities, their jobs, their friends, and many have lost family members. And speaking from a health point of view, experiencing that amount of trauma, making such a dramatic journey, fleeing persecution, Maybe you really won't remember every tiny detail. Suffering from anxiety, stress, insomnia, depression, a whole range of different conditions people will be experiencing. However, at your interview, a core part of the asylum process, you must prove yourself. Proving your identity is a crucial part of this. And it is often extremely difficult when you've lost all of their papers when fleeing their home. So. Any tiny detail that has been altered or if they avoid sharing certain parts of the story, maybe involving trauma because it's difficult to handle or maybe they're forgetting. This to the assessors may not be regarded as the true story and may lead to a negative decision, further delaying the process and protracting the limbo. How did you decide to get involved in this initiative, uh, Rachel? So I'm a business economics graduate and now I'm doing a master's in global health. I'm not directly involved with law. However, it does come into everything. I also love helping other people. I work with a few other charities and I have been really empathetic about the refugee crisis as I see it unfolding on the news and documentaries. And if I can contribute in some small way, then I've done some good. It is a small amount of time per week that I'm giving. And this translates to something so, so big for people that are experiencing this really dark time. And also here, if it can foster more understanding, more awareness, more compassion, empathy, 
all those things here so we can help these people and provide the aid, then that would be something really good as well. I get the point. So it has been a combination of original thoughts or emotions and that uh, got you involved in this initiative. However, of course, all these uh, factors are very important to, you know, to motivate us and uh, uh, drive us forward. However, when we get involved, we might um, change as well. So I would like to tell us a little bit about how this experience, how the how getting involved in the solidarity and uh, getting familiar with all this uh, uh, stuff and how things work in regards with the refugee crisis and how it is managed. Uh, how has this changed you? So on one hand, I have developed a lot of personal skills in terms of thought leadership through sharing my ideas, managing skills and recruiting my team and organizing the logistics and sales skills and promoting and successfully selling t-shirts. So on the other hand, I am looking at the plight of refugees. I am now seeing them more as individuals than a group. I'm increasing my empathy and I'm thinking this is someone's daughter, this is someone's son, someone's wife, husband, father, mother, auntie, uncle, cousin, all these things, brother, sister. So I'm really now looking at the big picture and the crisis is really making me realize how small I actually am. We at Solidarity are doing what we can, but it really is not enough. So if you think about it, the people fleeing danger, disaster and persecution to get to a safe place, they actually got out of a terrible situation. They are arriving in Europe to live in flooded and freezing tents. They are eternally living in a disaster situation. So working through these NGOs, we can reach the people at the camps. We can give them the opportunity for a new life. This is brilliant and this is good but we need to do more about the crisis we need to change the public's attitude so we are really hoping to spread awareness across Belfast as best we can through our many events held online and at a safe distance I keep from all this that uh, the situations that the refugees are experiencing uh, are so urgent and uh, I really keep from what you said that um it's not that they have experienced disaster in their home countries and arriving in Europe, they uh, uh, they have uh, uh, fled from this disaster. But uh, in the end, they end up living in, uh, okay, it's not similar conditions, but it means that it's not war in Europe. They are not experiencing war. But uh, the conditions in the uh, refugee reception centers are mostly so poor. So urgency strikes me so much yes it is so urgent it's so urgent it makes me feel so grateful for my life but it makes me guilty because i have so much privilege and ireland actually has a strong history of emigration for various reasons many have made their homes in different countries settling and integrating in the new communities so i feel we as irish people we should have the same openness um, to help and welcome, as other countries have done so for our ancestors in the past.
There weren't as strict regulations back then for entering countries and there weren't camps as such or the same regulations in terms of the interviews. At most we were welcomed, but there wasn't but there was some prejudice, negativity and rejection. So now I want to use my position to try and combat this prejudice. So you never really know what is going to happen. Maybe this is, will happen to us. Maybe there'll be something like a war, like a climate emergency. And I would hope that I wouldn't be in the position of living in these horrible conditions in the detention centres. Like in Greece, um, they actually have bars up in the centres, which is like a prison. So it is so urgent that we need to really integrate these people into society and we need to get them out of these camps as fast as we can. Well, for sure, if someone is an asylum seeker, he's not uh, regarded as part of the whole society. As asylum mm-hmm. seeker holds a very specific position, uh, socially and, of course, spatially. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, it's uh, uh, very interesting that you highlight the continuities between, um, uh, say, the, the, the movement of people, the forced movement of people, and uh, it seems that there is a continuity um uh, in these uh, migrating movements once there were uh, refugees or migrants uh, living from Ireland to other places now uh, refugees from other parts of the world from Central Asia or Middle East or Afri- countries from Africa uh, are arriving to Europe to flee from uh, persecutions to flee war to find uh, a better life actually uh, to, to claim their right to live so it is um, so interesting to notice that uh, shift and also to keep in mind that uh, in the end uh, we might uh, feel that um, we are safe, we might take it for granted that we have a very secure position, but in the end, and if you think of the big picture, uh, these positions are shifting. Refugees used to have their homes used to have a normal life back home until they lost everything. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes there's a misconception that these people don't have skills or not educated, but many of them are like more educated than what I am. Um, They had very secure jobs and they were high up. They were living really good lives and everything's just been taken away from them. It makes me so sad. Of course, because uh, when uh, you're waiting for all this process, your life is just on hold. And also, we always have to keep in mind that people, um, when refugees arrive to the, to other countries from the ones that they have uh, been raised, they have lived, and uh, in the end they have escaped from, they, uh, they are looking for new ways to integrate in the society and this means uh, have access to education, have access to work, get a grasp of how this new society works and they need support in this. And of course, when you wait for such a long time just for the decision uh, to your interview, this cannot help in any way to, uh, to making your way in the new society. As the refugee, there is an ongoing refugee crisis and um, at the same time there is an ongoing anti-refugee, anti-migrant sentiment. How does this make you feel? 
Uh, I'm asking this question because you are involved in you are involved in solidarity and what you are doing uh, is kind of a counterpointing to this ongoing anti-refugee, anti-migrant sentiment. So it does make me feel very sad. Um, these movements, I would have some compassion for the people of this persuasion and try to gently welcome them to the conversation. Everyone's view is important. And I think once we all come to the table and we hear every side of the story, there is a better chance of collectively eradicating the crisis. I have seen in recent years a lot of prejudice and a rise of nationalistic politics. So the reasons why some people um, are anti-immigration and by extension anti-refugee, they may think there is radicalized groups coming in, which will be a threat. The employment rate will suffer. There may be suspicions of illegal activities, a concern about the groups taking handouts from the government when there's homelessness and rife poverty of locals, a fear of the immigrants not um, integrating with the locals and creating their own segregated areas. This is all very heightened by the media and often exaggerated, and I cannot emphasize this enough, how the media distorts and just really blows up the negatives and forgets about the positive. On our website, we do have a lot of infographics and mythbusters, and you can check this out for more information on mythbusting. So refugees actually have existed forever. Um, despite the word to describe them being different, in modern times, Turkey, for example, have been taking a lot of refugees in. Countries in Africa and South America have been doing the same. Uh, Lebanon and Jordan as well. Even though these countries are less economically developed than what some countries in Europe would be. And it's actually just frustrating that the people who have less are doing more to help. And... A lot of the time, actually, the displacement is because of aggressive Western powers. So this would explain why there is a fear of a security threat. And it's not always war. Sometimes people are, are fleeing from violent dictators, natural disasters, persecution for being a religious minority. So as well as taking the refugees in, we do need to think bigger we need to think, we need to put international pressure on governments and businesses who bear much of the responsibilities for the human suffering in the countries from which the refugees mainly come from. So you're trying to bring upon some positive change when it comes to the refugee situation, when it comes to these developments uh, that uh, take place at a global level um, around um, refugees and uh, the policies around refugees. So I would like to ask you one final question for uh, today. I would like to ask you about um, this positive change that you want to bring, uh, to bring about. Um, tell us something more. What is it exactly and how do you understand it? 
So the positive change I would like to bring, I want people to care. I want people to have empathy for the refugees and I want us all to come together and to welcome them in and also by changing the attitudes, maybe we can get some petitions going to change government policies regarding war and regarding the climate. So I believe at Solidarity, we have two responsibilities to raise funding and raise awareness. We are given autonomy to the people in need of their own life through funding professionals to guide them through these tough legal processes and navigate their own way to a better life after the interview and eventually get granted some form of international protection. We're trying to dispel myths and misinformation. A few years ago, the crisis was very, very topical and now it's not so much. People living at the camps are experiencing horrific conditions. There are fires, floods, overcrowding, lack of sanitation, lack of medical care, unsuitable nutrition, the list really does go on. Recently, the European Anti-Torture Committee has called out Greece to reform its detention centres because of these conditions. And as it's Human Rights Day, this is just, we have so many rights, like, they just need to live. They just need the right to live. They're not even being granted the right to live. If they can pass the interview without having to appeal, then this will dramatically shorten their time living in the camp and turn give them the opportunity to integrate and rejoin society, start their new life in their new host country. And over the year, we hope to get as much volunteers to grow our to join our ever-growing and vibrant group so we can raise awareness and so we can raise money. And I think these two responsibilities are encapsulated so beautifully within the T-shirts and the designs come from real-life refugees um, that are sheltering in Greece. And you can actually find out more about the artists. We've had four years, so that's four different designs. Okay, and it also sounds so good that the refugees are also part of this uh, process of uh, campaigning and uh, for, for getting better access to legal assistance. So it's, it's, it already sounds good to me. Yeah. I just want to add, we are a very young charity. We've only been in existence for four years. So the best is yet to come to watch the space. Well, I wish uh, to you and uh, uh, the best luck, to you and Solidarity, of course, best luck, uh, as we need this change to come. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for being here with me today and having this uh, so interesting discussion. So let's continue our conversation with Hannah McGee who is uh, responsible for the events run by Solidarity, by the KUB branch of Solidarity, to be more specific. So, Anna, I would like to tell us, first of all, uh, some words about how this, you decided to join this initiative, and uh, then we will go ahead about, about all the specific details about the KUB branch. Okay, well, um, I decided to join because I've been volunteering for the past few years before COVID, with uh, an English language school 
teaching refugee children in Belfast to speak English and integrate into the community. Um, and there I saw, I saw basically families completely struggling to integrate into where they've been forced to move. So grateful to be here and uh, the community not really doing anything at all to, to integrate them even, and they're, yet they're so grateful and so happy. Um, so I needed to do something with the, to help the refugee crisis, uh, especially for people who can't even uh, get into a country. Uh, you were teaching English to adults and to children, refugees here? Yeah. yeah. Okay, for how long? Uh, I've been doing that since about 2015. Um, and then I got a teaching license, so I was really a teacher, a full-on teacher so, at the school. Yeah, so almost since the beginning of the ongoing recent mm. refugee crisis. Mm. Okay. Uh, how did you decide to join that solidarity? Um, to be honest, I because I knew I wanted to do something, Uh, I looked up Queen Societies that help the refugee crisis. Um, I saw the T-shirts and I do, I'm, I'm interested in art. So I started reading about the artists who are, uh, um, the latest T-shirt is actually made by, in a refugee camp, by refugees for an art initiative. Um, so I like that. I saw the focus on legal aid and I'm a law student um, and I know how important that is because it's just, it's very difficult to, uh, get the status of refugee even when it shouldn't be um people need to navigate so i know how important that is and, mm -hmm. yeah and uh here you are right now and you're um, uh, responsible for running the events so yeah. uh, i would like to tell us some uh, more specific stories about uh, what exactly the QB brand of solidarity is doing here in belfast all right so at the moment the the aim is always to get as many people involved as possible and to raise awareness of both the crisis and how you can help um, from Belfast. And it is easy. So, so far we have given two presentations during a Halloween event, which was aimed at getting people interested in the charity, fundraising and taking t-shirt orders as well. Um, although only a few people came at the time, um, we've already expanded to another university through that event. Um, and people had the opportunity to ask some difficult and uh, interesting questions as well. Um, and we did raise funds as well. Uh, I've set up a weekly film club where we watch relevant films um, and have a conversation afterwards. And the only requirements to join are that you wear a t-shirt or order your t-shirt and donate what you can. Um, the film club is called Solidarity QUB Film Club. And we have events every week with a discussion and an opportunity to donate and ask questions. Um, we've, we have also begun to outreach to secondary schools all over NI and in England as well um, by doing a 10-minute Zoom presentation just at lunchtime. Uh, and we can send T-shirts over, hopefully. And uh, this will look good on a UCAS application because it shows that you are uh, interested in the, in the societies at the university you want to go to. So if anyone has a younger brother or sister at school, please do tell them because it will be good for them and for everyone. <laughs> so it seems like uh, you're aiming at reaching at re literally everyone yes. regards with raising awareness uh, about refugees and everything. Yeah, absolutely. It's a student-led charity, but um, 
we have everyone has an obligation to educate people as much as possible and also it's uh, it sounds like what you're doing is educating people to raise awareness and also aiming at all levels of education absolutely yeah. <laughs> yeah i think even just by uh, ordering and wearing a t-shirt you're helping to educate so it, because you're br uh, making people aware of a crisis that the news is not well so yeah just and by raising it wearing a t-shirt you're educating of course it's uh and also you make it visible it mm. might sound simple but you you make it visible yeah absolutely yeah. so i would like to ask you about the challenges that you have faced in running these events what has been the biggest challenge um well of course we have the covid 19 situation where people we can't physically sell t-shirts um but that but solidarity are arranging a way that you can order them online through a rep so uh if you watch this space it, that will be there soon um and also one of the, the hardest things for me was during our last event someone asked some thoughtful questions but the answers were not immediately obvious and they made me confront my own gaps in education about the crisis because really we cannot learn enough um this person asked about Solidarity's aim to expand the definition of refugee, which is very, very um, limited, actually. And it's hard for people to prove, even if they're from a war-torn country, that they deserve refugee status. And this person was interested in, in Solidarity's work to expand the definition of refugee to climate refugees and economic refugees. Um, and that I did not know. I didn't really know about at all. I didn't know what we were doing. So it really made me um, work on work on my own education. And that was a challenge and uh, one that I'm grateful for. It is a challenge that, uh, as far as I can tell, it gets you more involved in uh, all this uh, situation that refugees are involved in, in terms of, you know, the status and who is eligible to and who is not and all these uh, different uh, procedures there are. So it's, uh, it's like beginning, uh, it's like joining this initiative because you have certain things in mind and then getting more and more involved. So this is very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. And um, um, I would like to ask you um, about the feedback you get from people, because I guess that you interact much with people in the events and uh, you have already mm. shared one story. So what is the general feedback that you receive? Is, is it positive or negative? Or, you know, if you would like to share a, another story, maybe that has made a mark to you? Um in general it's just so positive and it's really uplifting to see people want they want to learn um in general yeah the feedback is positive and a lot of people he do hear about the crisis daily but there's not that much information on how they can help where their money's going even if they donate and uh you can't really talk to real people about it so i think people are very grateful to uh have someone just to 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 bat your ideas on and off each other and uh, interact with real people instead of just a relatively biased news article, if we're realistic. Um, there's only so much you can learn from reading one point of view. So it's good. It's an opportunity to have a conversation, which people are very grateful for. Um, so in, in all, it's been very, very, very positive feedback. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And what keeps you motivated? 
in uh, getting involved with all this that can be of course very challenging and uh, mm. very emotional maybe uh yeah i don't want to repeat myself but um the fact there is so much to learn and like no excuse not to try and learn it um so it it that's what keeps me motivated the fact that the media and the news is just not enough and it, there's no excuse for it to be enough for people um because once you start learning you realize how how much well you you'll never understand and you'll never learn um what these people are actually physically experiencing but uh the only thing you can do is try and that's what keeps me motivated um the fact that we should all be trying and we should all well we all have to try and uh yeah i think that's why i like solidarity because it it shows people are trying yeah mm -hmm. gives me some hope <laughs> and uh that's uh that's very important and i i mean giving hope mm. uh, not only to people that are going through the so so hard situation but also for us too I mean, to see that there can be change and everything. And um, I would like to ask one final question. Um, what would you tell to someone who resents with refugee crisis? Um, someone who resents either on uh, anti-refugee grounds, that there are so many people, mm -hmm. uh, or someone who resents on the anti-immigration, anti-refugee sentiment. I would say that it's the only possible um, explanation I can come up with why someone would think that is because of a complete lack of education. Um, because the definition, by definition, refugees are can't cannot return to their home country because they are going to be persecuted or they fear so badly that they will be persecuted. Um, people aren't just coming. The anti it's because of the media. The anti-refugee uh, sentiment is actually an anti-migrant sentiment um, because, and the fact that migrants are coming to take our jobs and stuff is completely nullified by the, the definition of refugee, which, is, which shows that that's not why people are here. They're here for asylum. Um, so it's, it's, it's a lack of education. And I would say, think about if you were in this situation where, uh, where you had to leave <laughs> I, it, it's yeah it's crazy um and there's just a negative con connotation to the word migrant and Rachel and I were actually talking about it earlier how if we moved to a foreign country we wouldn't refer to ourselves as migrants we'd refer to ourselves as expats because of the of the just the negative connotations by the media official and unofficial um forces that are just pushing this negativity so the only thing people can do to it to combat that is learn um and that's yeah that's so, what we're here for <laughs> we can help you so thanks uh, anna for all this thank you uh, thank you so much yeah it's been really good uh yes and also it's been so interesting getting it happens here in belfast Mm. All these activities take place here in Belfast, and there are just uh, refugees who live here in Belfast. So you... oh, there are, yeah. and and it, it's it's pe people just well, they're so separated, especially by a language barrier. Um, yeah, we need to confront it, and that's what we're doing by wearing t-shirts. So please, do order. <laughs> uh, are there currently any events uh, that uh, we could uh, attend or uh, support solidarity? 
Um, so obviously we do have our weekly film club, but there are a few more events that are, are not so uh, often um, and a great way to get involved. So we're starting a book club as well, um, reading relevant books, and we'll have an hour discussion afterwards. That will be once a month. Uh, we're also planning a wine and paint event um, where we can talk about the artists on the teas because they have some very interesting stories and that will be held over Zoom. Um, we're also starting, <laughs> so we have quite a few, we're also going to do a yoga in the park and a hike, um, wearing our t-shirts just to put on social media um, and yeah, once we're allowed to be in person. And also, hopefully, by Christmas, we'll be having an in-person quiz as well, um, a quiz night in which you can win some prizes and just have fun. Where could we find more information about all these events? We have a closed Facebook group, which you have to ask to enter, um, called QUB Solidarity Events, which um, we will share all the events on. So please do join that. Um, thank you. Thanks for listening. If you would like to seek for more information about the applying asylum procedures in European countries, about the ongoing refugee crisis, as well as the applying and newly introduced immigration policies across Europe, the websites of Asylum in Europe database, asyluminEurope.org, and European Council on Refugees and Exiles, ecre.org, may be enlightening. Feel free to get in touch with QUB Voices on Twitter at QUB Voices to let us know of your thoughts or if you would like to join us in a thematic discussion around the current issue. Stay tuned as QUB Voices is releasing a new episode in two weeks' time before we leave behind 2020. For our next episode, we have the pleasure to talk with Morgan Martingley about refugees' access to education.